the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy my co-host Larry Dersham and I have some very special guests that we want to share with you tonight. And Larry, I think we have the first one in studio right now. Who do we have with us? Yes, Wendy. Abby Johnson has always been fiercely determined to help women in need. This desire is what led Abby to a career with Planned Parenthood, our nation's largest abortion provider. During her eight years with Planned Parenthood, she quickly rose through the organization's ranks and became a clinic director. Abby became increasingly disturbed by what she witnessed, and she has now become an outspoken advocate for the pro-life movement. We're going to let Abby tell us, in her own words, what led to that transformation. Welcome to the program, Abby. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I know that um, not everybody has seen that movie Unplanned, aptly named, no doubt, uh, which is about your your life. And, um, you know, we, we're talking about um, maybe they haven't also read your best-selling book with the same title. Could you tell us a little bit about what was the turning point for you that led you to leave Parenthood, Planned Parenthood and actually join the pro-life movement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of things that happened during my last year at Planned Parenthood. Um, you know, one of the key things was they actually instituted an abortion quota, a certain number of abortions that we had to sell at our facilities. And, you know, for I worked there for eight years, but for the first six years that I was there, you know, I was just a worker bee, you know, I was just there every day seeing women, um, you know, just sort of doing the nine to five thing, uh, there working a, you know, as an hourly employee and it wasn't until I got up into management that I really started becoming concerned about some of the things that I was seeing, like these abortion quotas, like the way we were treating women really as commodities uh, to the organization. And this commodification of women uh, was very bothersome to me because you know, I had gotten into the organization believing that we at Planned Parenthood were there to help women. And that's just not what I was seeing. And I remember thinking, okay, is the organization changing? Or is it that 
now I'm finally so high up in management. I'm seeing what we've really been about all along. You know, I'm, I'm seeing how the sausage is made, right, as they say. And I realize now it was, it was truly the latter. But ultimately, what caused me to leave was being called in to help assist with an ultrasound-guided abortion procedure. And, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not a medical doctor. Uh, I'm not a, a nurse. Uh, so that was not something that uh, typically I would be called in to help with. But we had a visiting physician in that day, and ultrasounds are not traditionally used in conjunction with the abortion instruments. So the abortions are are typically done just in a blind manner. They have the suction tube, they have the instruments, and they're just blindly inserting those into the woman's uterus until they think they have enough blood and tissue into a glass jar. But this visiting physician did things differently in his own private practice, and, and he wanted to show us what that looked like. He wanted to show us what an abortion looked like on an ultrasound screen. And I was called in to assist. He needed an extra set of hands. He needed someone to hold the ultrasound probe on the woman's abdomen. And so I was called in. And uh, I witnessed as a 13-week-old baby in the womb, fully formed baby, fought and struggled for his life during the abortion procedure. And I was shocked. I was horrified. This was not what I had been told would happen. I had been told for all of those years that... You know, the fetus in the womb had no feeling, had no sensory development, was unaware of what was taking place in the womb, that there was no humanity there, that there was no life there in the womb. But that was not what I witnessed in that moment. And so I I knew that I had been lied to. And, and because I had so eagerly believe those lies. I knew that I had in turn then lied to thousands of women who had come through those abortion clinic doors. And so I knew that I I had to leave the organization. Wow. Abby, I I first saw you speak in person. It was at a Marriott hotel, I think in Southern California. I didn't know about you. And you got up and you you were telling, you were so funny. You, You have such a great speaking ability and sense of humor. I thought maybe she was a comedian before the main person. Then you started to give us your story and I was amazed. And then when your movie came out, Unplanned. I saw it uh, once, and I then I took my two daughters, my adult daughters, and um, their husbands to the um, to the showing. It, that is a great, great movie about you, how what you just described in such detail. So I had another question for you: When you left Planned Parenthood, was there pushback from the Planned Parenthood? Did they wish you well, or did they have another response? <laughs> Right. You know, you would think, okay, well, they're pro-choice, right? And she made another choice. So let's just wish her well in her endeavors, right? Um, but that was, that was not what happened. So when I left 
and Planned Parenthood realized that I was no longer on their side, so to speak, when it came to abortion, they ended up uh, taking me to court and they attempted to gag me. They attempted to get a, a, a permanent gag order, a, a restraining order of disclosure. But when that happened, they sent out a press release to the media saying that they were suing one of their former directors. And not, I'm sure in hindsight to them, the wisest thing, because then the media picked it up and ran with it and said, well, what don't you want her to say, <laughs> right? What what does she know that you want to keep hidden? And so then suddenly I had never in my wildest dreams planned on telling the things that I knew. Um, I never planned on talking about what I had seen that day on the ultrasound. I never planned on talking about anything that I knew from my time at Planned Parenthood. I never intended on exposing Planned Parenthood in any way, shape or form. I was embarrassed about my time at Planned Parenthood. I was, uh, sh- I felt ashamed. I mean, I, I did not want to go public with my story. I did not want people to know what I, what I had participated in. I wanted to slink off you know, in quiet, you know, and hide under a rock and allow God to deal with me in private. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go get another job somewhere. You know, I'm a therapist. So I thought, okay, I can just go, you know, quietly be a therapist somewhere and just pretend like this never happened. You know, Abby, one of the things that's been in the news um, in the last actually several days has been the availability of abortion pills. And we don't hear Mm. about that a lot. You know, we hear about providers and everybody knows who Planned Parenthood is. Um, But what about these abortion pills? And has the Dobbs decision um, given the power to the states to actually regulate those as well? I understand you can buy pills on the internet from different places, but I know that some of those restrictions now are being challenged. Yeah, and that's actually a really scary thing. So, you know, right now, the FDA has essentially lifted all restrictions, all restrictions on medication abortions and women are able to get those online. Uh, over 50% of abortions right now are being done through medication and over 50% of those medication abortions are being accessed through the mail. And I think you know, I am a woman who's had it. I've I've had a medication abortion myself, and it's awful. Um, one of the things that that not only the physical ramifications of medication abortion, it's dangerous. It's more dangerous than a surgical abortion. The uh, the severe complication rate from medication abortion, uh, what they found is as high as twenty percent. So. Uh, it, it is physically more more complicated. Abby, I'm so sorry. We are up against a hard break. Oh, my gosh. It's just getting good. You have to join us again. Thank you, and Abby. It's wonderful. I would love to. Love this. 
We've got to go to break very, very quickly. You're listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We will be back in a flash. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. Well, we just heard some very personal testimony. Let's just call it that. And I wish we could have heard more about it from our our last guest about working at Planned Parenthood and actually having a medication abortion herself. Um, And then the experience that led her to become pro-life. You know, Larry, you and I both have friends. We both know people that were staunchly pro-choice until they themselves were actually in the scenario of having to make a decision as to whether to end a pregnancy. And I mean, I can, I know friends and colleagues that have actually looked at the beating heart of the body inside them and thought, I'm not going to go through with it. I mean, that's what adoption agencies are for. I actually ended up keeping the child, um, fell in love with it. But, you know, one of the things that uh, from a more clinical perspective, um, politically, that I know a lot of people are talking about nowadays is the ways in which the overturning of Roe will implicate what states are allowed to do. And that's true with, with respect to physical abortions, medication abortions. Um, But it's also interesting because just this week, a new survey came out. We're constantly surveying the public to see what's going to matter to them in the midterms, what's going to turn them out to vote in the midterms. And it seems like a lot of voters have moved past health onto wealth. In other words, we're not talking about COVID anymore. We're talking about uh, inflation. And when it comes down to breaking it down into issues, I mean, gas, groceries and guns are one of the things that um, has been interesting over the course of the last week, that those three, that trio of concerns, has really moved more to the top of the list. And I would say particularly in reverse order, because public safety has been back in the spotlight this week with the terrible tragedy in Highland Park. Um, But, you know, these are the types of things people are talking about. And I wonder, Larry, you know, what are the trigger laws, for example, that different states have into effect. How do you think that's going to impact what's going to be really important to voters come the midterms? Yeah, I agree with you, Wendy, that the gas prices are probably number one in everybody's mind and groceries probably a close second, if not equal. And then, of course, every time there's one of these um, these really bad mass shootings, I, I guess you'd say, uh, then all the news... Uh, channels are talking about it and it's on everybody's mind. I've had a lot of communication with my friends and I have liberal friends and conservative friends and it's interesting. We try to not talk about politics, but when things like that happen, uh, it does come out. But still, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is going to be huge and I know that they're going to have these um, states like California and New York and that's just one example where they're going to continue to allow uh, basically full steam ahead on the abortion and try to, I think even our state of California, they're going to, uh, our governor's trying to make it a, an abortion sanctuary state, which would be a tragedy in my mind. And that's why we need to change our governor, uh, in my opinion. Well, Larry, have you heard the term abortion tourism? I, I, I have. And it's, it's kind of a 
kind of a cruel way to say, yeah, come to our state, um, enjoy, you know, the hotels and the entertainment and, and have your abortion. Is that what it means? You know, the, the, you know, we hate to even talk about some of these sensitive terms, but, you know, p- when people hear them, it's important to know what they what they are talking about. Remember, for years, we talked about birth tourism. Um, and, you know, you don't want to lend legitimacy to a practice unless it's actually being documented. But we also know that um, it's not so much tourism, but some of the people are traveling out of necessity is what they're saying and what the companies are saying that are basically paying for the travel and the transport. But it brings up the issue of whether or not any state can criminalize travel in order to obtain an abortion. I have to say that of all the questions that uh, conservatives are being asked over the last several days, that's been first and foremost one of them is it's one thing to say, you know, you can't have an abortion if you live in a conservative state that's banned it. But can a state then say, well, now you can't travel to another state and get one? Yeah, I don't know how they're going to work that out. There's a lot of things that need to be worked out with this Supreme Court decision. That's for sure. I tell you, I've been getting a lot of questions and actually from people pretty close to me. And they're just posing the question. They're not really arguing. They say, "Okay, so uh, with the abortion decision, who's going to be taking care of all these unwanted babies, I guess. And I think maybe there's going to be a huge opportunity for education. I wish we could have had Abby Johnson on for the second half of the show, because that's what she does. There's so many resources. There are so many um, outfits that will, uh, they'll match you up with people that want to adopt, for example, and and on and on and on. And I, I pointed out to this one person that asked me that question. I said, well, we were doing fine before 1973, before the Roe v. Wade decision, and we'll be able to figure it out with all the, uh, the crisis pregnancy centers, with all the churches, with all, you know. Well, Larry, there's so many people that want to adopt. I mean, think about it. People are adopting from other countries. They are you know, paying astronomical amounts of money to go and and visit different places to try to find children to adopt. There are so many loving parents that can't have children of their own and would just jump at the chance to um, to adopt some of these uh, some of these children. Uh, And, you know, I mean, there's the whole discussion that I know they're having in a lot of the pro-life circles about, you know, responsibility on the front end and unwanted pregnancy. And, you know, um, we'll have to have Abby back to talk about some of that. You don't hear enough about the pro-life movement. There are an enormous amount of people in this country that are pro-life. Oh, you know, their 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 voices are not being added into the mix as much as the other. And that's one of the reasons that. You know, there's almost this misconception that everybody in America is is pro-choice. Um, it's a very personal issue, and uh, it's something that is probably one of the most personal decisions that a woman will ever make. And especially, you know, e- even in within a family, it, it's one of very, very personal decisions, which, by the way, is also no doubt why it is so emotional for many people that are talking about it and participating in this debate. But having said all of that, it still is nowhere near the top of the list of the issues the voters care about come November, statistically at least. Oh, oh yeah, 100%. And and what's interesting, you could almost segue into uh, the separation of powers. I think I heard from the top, uh, you know, our president, basically, they don't like that decision by the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, and they're talking about the possibility, again, it's in conversation at least, of packing the Supreme Court, which means we don't like the decisions you made, 
the third branch of government. So we're going to add additional justices to that Supreme Court until we, until we start to get decisions that we do agree with. And that's very dangerous, I think, for one, uh, actually the executive branch to try to do that, or possibly even the legislative branch will, will approve that and will approve additional justices. So that's one issue. And um, the fact that I've, I'm hearing other people, actually, uh, I don't know if they're senators, but people from the House of Representatives that are saying, we're going to go around this decision. We don't like this decision, and we're going to find ways around it. And that's kind of worrisome, even in a broader sense, too. If you don't like a Supreme Court decision, you're not going to follow it. So I think this is kind of straining the bounds of our, our Constitution, um, and then it's going to be an interesting couple of years ahead of us, I'm sure. Larry, it's, I never thought I would live in a country where so many people say, I don't agree with the law, so I'm not going to follow it. I know. I mean, it. When, I, when I pick juries, I have to, you know, poll jurors on, you know, the judge is going to instruct you on the law. Can you follow the law? And many prospective jurors are very vocal and, and very boldly admit, no, I won't follow the law. I don't have to follow the law. And you know, we, we shouldn't wonder where people get the ideas that they don't have to follow uh, the laws that are on the books. But um, I suppose we can save that for an entirely different segment, can't we? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be interesting. We're coming up on this uh, 2022 election in November and we think about voter integrity as well. And I just wish that we could uh, have uh, everybody agree on what we need to do is have, for example, voter ID and have the voting day on one day, except for the absentee ballots, because it seems like they keep on watering it down to uh, basically allow for for cheating. And I think of anybody, anybody that has really good integrity would would want to have a voter ID uh, in, in place and just make it is. So if people make a decision that I don't like, I'll just live with it. But I, if I think people are cheating, uh, I, I don't know what the answer is to that. And you know, so election integrity should be a bipartisan value. It and, should be. And, and it is. Uh, and the, the, the difference of opinion seems to be how do we achieve election integrity? And I know a lot of people believe, oh, we already have it. It's, it's virtually foolproof. And then, you know, you hear some some other voices um, mentioning that, you know, we don't necessarily have election integrity in all circumstances. And here are the different ways that are that make the elections more vulnerable. Uh, and, you know, I remember growing up, uh, local lo- local precincts, remember those where there actually yes. was like, you, you knew your neighbors and everybody knew yes. where to go and vote and you yes. got your little sticker. Now, you you know, you just do it by mail or somebody else is dropping off your ballot. You know, one, one thing I suppose that this entire debate has really done is forced everybody to consider what are the most secure ways in which we can lock down voting and make sure every vote counts. Yeah, and I heard something from somebody that really is in the know on this. They say that here in California, everybody can get a driver's license, even undocumented uh, people from different countries can get driver's licenses. And at the same time, that motor voter um, law, they register them from... To, to vote. They register him to become a de- Democrat or Republican. Yet, when the registrar of voters says, I want to know who you registered to vote, because you're giving everybody driver's licenses here in California, and they will not give that information to the registrar of voters. So there's some communication things that need to be need to be worked out too and again if everybody has a good heart and good integrity i don't see why it would be a problem i would think every side would want to get on board with that 
You know, Larry, we, we like to end with a silver lining, and I think you've uh, stolen my thunder on that today. You you bet. We want we definitely want all of those uh, worthy goals to be achieved. Um, great discussion. I can't wait to hear what happens between this week and next week, because I know we're going to have a great show next week as well. So we want to thank our listeners. You have been listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Thank you for joining us for a bit of time tonight. We'll see you back in the same place next Saturday night. And in the meantime, have a great week, and God bless Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.